Uh-oh. Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my. It's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I am here with our fabulous co-host, PK. You're back. Well, yeah, yeah, my back is here. (laughs) Yeah, you're back, and your back is here with you. That's good. (laughs) That's right. Good Lord. I tell you. Oh, it's nice to have you back. Well, it's good to be back. I hope I'll be able to make it for the whole time, but... Um, I'm an ice pack right now, leaning against a big, heavy pillow, so let's, I'll keep my fingers crossed. Yeah, I hope so. And I am hearing a fan in the background or something, so if there's anything in the background um, for either one of you guys, if you could check on that and shut it down if you can, because these uh, mics really pick up every single sound. Um, so anyways, we're going to start with you, PK, because you, we've missed you for the last couple of weeks. Well, and wanted to hear about the numbers. Yeah, you were you're greatly missed. So tell us what's happening oh, so in the world today. Well, oh. today's a nine day. It's ending a lot of old issues. That it's in a month that deals with details, work, work more work, and more work. It's just a push to make everything fall into line, and nothing's really falling in line the way we want it to. It's taking more energy for us to get things moving. In a positive way, as we found That's out when so we were trying true. to go into Skype earlier. Yeah. But one yep. of the things that makes a big difference here right now is people, hang on to your hats. I hate to say this, but Mercury is going retrograde oh. on the 16th. Say it isn't so. <laughs> it is oh so so. And uh. anything to do with communications of any forms will become a major problem. And the reason I'm saying a major problem is this month is all about details. It's all about work. It's all about getting things. So, so difficult has to do with the fact that we can't deal with this when the retrograde is going to demand so much of us and we don't have the abilities to make these things work. Right now, anything to do with electronics, whether it's uh, our cars, our computers, whatever it is, it's all going to take every ounce of our energy to keep from wanting to go to the top of the house and scream because all these things are going to have issues. How long does Mercury retrograde last this time? Uh, To the first week of December, I believe it is. Okay. I'll put more information out. No, it's about two weeks. Okay. But remember, we are going. We've been in a shadow period, and now it hits full bore on the 16th. 
When we leave, it will go out in a shadow period. So we've been getting a kick of the britches these last few days as it is, and people are wondering why things have been working well. I had my uh, uh, my computer giving me problems. I had somebody help me out with it that made it a problem. And I even had my modem go down. And that's only been in the last couple days. So it's been kind of hang on to your hat because it's not going to be fun and it's not going to be pretty. Be careful of what you put to print. Be cautious of what you have to say because it's going to come back and bite us right smack in the where we sit down. Uh-oh. So I think it's uh, very important that we pay attention because the four months that we're in, it's all about details, work, heavy workloads, but we're holding our breaths a lot. We're, it's like it's a big chore. And mm-hmm. that, on top of the retrograde, is going to make people do some crazy things. We will oh, tend boy. to be delightfully fault-finding and bitchy. Mm-hmm. That pretty well covers it. Okay. Wow. Aren't you well, it sounds like it's, yeah, that's no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it sounds like a challenge and a half. I'm going to have to do a lot of deep breathing, meditation, mm-hmm. oh, gosh, tapping. I don't ever can think of. So Be careful <laughs> what goodness. you put pen, pen to paper because you don't want to have it come back at you afterwards. Make sure yeah, that well, things that's, are exactly as they're supposed to be. Great advice. That's a, such excellent advice, as always, PK. Can't thank you enough for taking a look at that for everybody because we need some help as we're going into the end of the year some really wild oh, God, things yeah. have been happening. Oh, my goodness. And, I mean, tonight we have a terrific guest, Storm Fairy Oh, don't Wolf. Me Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. Now, did you happen to see that photograph, That how that turned inside out? That was a very no, strange I thing. I couldn't get it. I tried to go in, but my computer was playing games with me, as you all oh, know. Oh, that's too bad. Well, so, here's the thing. I want everybody to go to our Facebook page. Uh, mm-hmm. the Supernatural Girls page, because I posted the photos side by side. So what happened was, I always, since 2013, I've been loading photos for shows. And I went to load photos, and Storm's publicist, who is lovely, Kat, she sent us a beautiful picture of Storm. And mm-hmm. I went to load that, as well as all the other photos, and so people have something to watch when they're listening to the show. And when I went to put it on Facebook, I took a look at the photo again, and I was like, oh, my God, what the heck happened? The photo that was a beautifully lit, bright, sunny photo turned into a negative, a negative image. Now, I am not a Photoshop person. I don't know how to use it. I don't even know how to find it on the Internet. I don't Photoshop anything. So this, if you want to see something very strange, go to our Facebook page Mm -hmm. right there. The two photos are side by side, and you'll be able to see what I'm talking about. I have no explanation other than I think maybe this was a photo of Storm in the fairy world. I mean, it certainly wasn't in this world. It's a very odd photo. So go take a look at that. And then we also, as usual, have some terrific stories on our Facebook page, Supernatural Stories. It's This is a part of our paranormal news segment. These things are wild. There was, and I know, PK, you've been saying there's going to be more and more coming out with UFOs. And That's certainly right. You've been, you're right, because look at what just happened in Ireland. Now, for anybody who didn't mm-hmm. hear about this, it's on our Facebook page, the video, the audio of the two pilots who independently re- 
reported seeing UFOs. These are commercial pilots. One was from British Airways. The other was from Virgin Airways. They both saw UFOs. They um, they called it in to the towers and said, do you have any military exercises in the area? And they said, mm-hmm. we do not. In fact, they didn't even see this stuff on radar. It was moving so fast. So here we go. And this was over the skies of Ireland. Very fascinating. Again, two experienced pilots reporting seeing these UFOs at the same time. So that's one thing that's going on, and we're seeing more and more of these being reported. I love it when these pilots report it, though, because it's so hard to debunk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So good for and them. a couple of weeks ago, them. there was another one that the pilot had mentioned about seeing what he considered an extraterrestrial, and he couldn't figure out because it was going so fast. But it, that was downplayed, and then here we are two weeks later, two more. Two more. That's They're right. out Good. there, whether we like it or not. That is it. I mean, all the people who are still trying to be skeptics, they're not going to be able to be for much longer. So that's the way it is. And now we also have another story about a dark matter hurricane heading towards Earth. Yeah. And this is this is very strange. This is a story by Paul Seaburn, again, from Mysterious Universe, great website. And this dark matter is heading towards Earth. Now, it says in the article, and you should go to our website to read more about the technical side of it, but it's basically right. a cosmic weather forecast, and it calls for strong dark matter winds in our region of the galaxy. And this is based on a new study of a nearby collection of stars that are all moving in the same direction. Now, they're saying that there's nothing that is going to harm us. This is not the end of the world or anything like that. But my question is, how is this going to affect us on our consciousness and our other reali- other planes, other realities that we're in touch with, our dreaming world? How is that going to affect us, this dark matter hurricane? Very cool stuff. Take a look at it. I think you'll really enjoy it. It's a, it's a great read. Again, Paul always writes terrific stories for Mysterious Universe, and we steal them and talk about them here. So thank you, Paul. That was, that was a great story. And, of course, you're available. Yeah, you're available for numerology, as always, at patriciakirkman.com. And I'm available for soul realignment. And you can find me on our supernaturalgirls.com website as well as PK. You can find PK there as well. If you want to book a session with her, get give yourself a Christmas present for the end of the year and see what's coming up. And we're going to actually have the creator of soul realignment work on the show in a couple of weeks. And she's going to explain mm-hmm. all about where it came from, what it does. This, this, I'll tell you, the sessions I've been doing, I am always amazed by the amount of power that's in that work and how it can change somebody's life for the better in a flash. So I really encourage people to take a look at that. And if you want to be trained in soul realignment, there is a graphic, there is a link to soul realignment on our homepage, and you can go there and sign up for the training yourself. It's very in good training. It's very intense, but I highly recommend it. I enjoyed it, and I, I love doing the work, so I want to share it with everybody. So that's well, where we at also, by the way. Ah, thank you. You're great. Well, it's, you you know, took care of me. <laughs> I did take care of you. And, and you know, right. it's um, it's interesting because I was a therapist for 20-plus years and a dream analyst and all that, and it's always fun to help people 
take a new look at themselves with a whole different perspective. It just it kind of mm-hmm. opens up all these other doorways that have been closed for a long time. So it's great work. And I highly recommend it either if you want to be trained in it or if you want a session. But go to the website, supernaturalgirlsofthez.com. You can find it there. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Twitter so you can keep track of all the great shows that are coming up because we've got, I mean, all our shows are tremendous because of our guests. And we've got some more great guests coming. But tonight yeah, we have Storm Perry. Yes, and let me tell you about Storm, because he has so many skills in the paranormal world, and he is basically, I mean, he's just a great guy, and he's just, he's brilliant, and is a writer, and we had him on last time when we were talking about his book, Betwixt and Between, a terrific mm-hmm. book, and now he's got this new book, Forbidden, Forbidden Mysteries of Fairy Witchcraft. Now, this is, he's got some wonderful meditations and things to do. He's going to tell us about all of it, but you really should get the book so that you can do the practice if you're that interested, which is, I mean, it's fascinating. The whole book is fascinating. And he is a professional author, teacher, warlock, priest, and initiate of the fairy tradition of witchcraft. He holds the black wand of a master, and he's the founder of the Blue Rose Lineage of Fairy. He is one of the founding teachers of the Black Rose School of Witchcraft, and he travels internationally teaching the magical arts. We are so honored to have him here tonight. Storm, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. Great to have you. We're so fortunate to have you, for sure. (laughs) Thank you very much. Now, for people that don't know about you, might not have been introduced to your books yet, tell us about how you got into all of this. Well, I have always been drawn to specifically witchcraft all of my life. And I probably mentioned this last time when I was here. And again, thank you for having me back. Um, But when I was little, I probably was more um, inspired by episodes of Bewitched than anything else. Um, But that really kind of just got me started, right? (laughs) I really kind of just drew me towards the craft. And as I got older... I just, I would study every book I could get a hold of. Um, When I was in my late teens, I would find um, groups of people and, you know, I started training in different traditions, eventually finding someone in the fairy tradition and um, training for several years and earning my initiation there. Um, But it was just something that just really called to me on a soul level. I've just always believed in magic. I've just always believed that, we're all connected and that um, God or goddess is actually manifest in nature and that we're all a part of that. And those are generally um, foundational principles of the neo-pagan movement. So it just sort of um, went hand in hand. I just kind of feel like I I was just kind of led where I was supposed to go. That's wonderful. Now, did you have some, yeah. Did you have support from your family in, in taking this path? Um, I mean, I certainly do now. Early on, um, I did keep that a secret. I, I did. Um, um, I formally dedicated myself to witchcraft when I was 14, and mm-hmm. um, and that was in a ritual of my own design. And I just kind of went with the flow. But I knew better than to mention it, you know, to my mother who I, I was living with at the time, and um, she uh, is an ex-Catholic. And so she Uh kind of had a lot of that kind of fear, you know, about things like tarot cards and Ouija boards and like all that stuff. And I was just 
fascinated with all of it, but something told me <laughs> you better keep this secret. And I'm, I kind of mused that like other kids my age were probably like hiding marijuana, you know, or drinking or whatever. And <laughs> yeah. I was reading the real cards and keeping it secret. So, I mean, I'll do what we're going to do. Where did you hide these things? I must ask, cause it's not easy to hide a Ouija board. Um, well, it's interesting because I, I was able to hide my Ouija board because um, I, I used it as kind of a false bottom to one of my desk drawers. So it fit in there perfectly. So I turned it upside down and I, I put all of my tarot cards and my crystals like underneath it. And then I just put random stuff on top of it. So if you opened up the drawer, you would just see papers and whatever. And it would look like you're looking at the bottom of the drawer, but really there was all my magical stuff was hidden underneath. <laughs> that is pretty <laughs> Good for you. Oh, oh that's well, fabulous. I, mean, I think that's oh kind of important. And I, you know, I, I knew that it was the path for me. I knew I wasn't hurting anybody. And, you know, but still, I knew also, as, you know, growing up gay, that was another thing was like, I, I realized, oh, I better keep this kind of secret to myself as well. And so they kind of went hand in hand, you know, being in the, the gay closet and being in what we call the broom closet. You know, they kind of went hand in hand. Um, I can't really say that one was more difficult to come out as, though. They were pretty both even um, really? for me. Um, really? Yeah, because, I'm I mean, especially back then, well, especially back then, I mean, I would, I, I used to wear a pentacle. And mm -hmm. um, I can't begin to tell you how many times people would look at the pentacle and they would either think, oh, my goodness, he worships Satan. Or they would say, mm. oh, I didn't know you were Jewish. And I was like, <laughs> um, I didn't know you couldn't count. You know, a pentacle has five. You know, you're thinking of the Star of David, that's six. But okay. Oh, Lord. But um, yeah, just kind of ridiculous. But I mean, people now are much, especially where I live. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. So people are much more accepting nowadays. Oh, than they used to be. There's been that's some progress. Sure. Yes, that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> wow, good for you, Storm. You know, I just love the way you have embraced what you love and your own path and you've accepted yourself. It sounds like from long ago, but you just knew this is not the time to share it with everybody. So it's very wise of you at a young age. Well, maybe, but it's also, I mean, I, I will admit it's also fear-based, you know, and, you know, I was afraid <laughs> that I wouldn't bit. be accepted and, you know, and, sure. um, but I mean, we have to understand that, fear isn't always a bad thing. You know, sometimes fear is telling us to be safe and to be careful. It's when fear paralyzes you from doing the right thing, then, then mm -hmm. it's a problem. You know, I, right. but that I hear a lot sense. of people demonizing fear in, in the, in the spiritual movements. And I want to say, no, we shouldn't demonize fear because, you know, if we demonize it, we're actually giving it so much more power over us. And that's actually that's right. a lot of what my new book is about. It's about kind of confronting the shadow, confronting those inner demons of our fear, of our shame, and being able to work with them magically so we can kind of um, steal that power back from those fears. And, and this goes across many traditions, actually. I mean, it certainly is, is big in the shamanic tradition as well, Absolutely. of accepting all of your shadow and accepting all the parts of yourself that you may have left behind. Absolutely. So it's all part of the same wonderful healing process, and you're bringing it to a new level with this this book. And your your teachings in general, I think, are just tremendous. But um, tell us more about this, because this is a little different, the fairy witchcraft. Because I know a lot of people are still of the mindset 
that fairies are all nicey nice like Tinkerbell, and that's not the way it is at all, is it? No, it's you know it's, it's so funny to me. It reminds me there was a story. Um, this woman had come into my shop. I, I along with my two partners, I own a shop, a metaphysical store in Walnut Creek, California, called the Mystic Dream. And um, this woman had come in, and we were talking about witchcraft and spells and, you know, all the good things. And um, she wanted to know, oh, well, what tradition are you from? And I said, oh, I'm an initiate of the fairy tradition. And she just lit up, and she said, oh, I love fairies and unicorns, too. <laughs> and just my heart sunk. And I thought, oh, honey, this, this is not what we're talking about, you know. I'm not talking about the cute little sprightly fairies that are, like, granting little kids' wishes and telling you to believe in yourself. That's great. And that's awesome. And I'm not even going to say that there aren't some fairy beings like that because mm-hmm. there are there, you know, but the vast majority <laughs> of what we would call the fairy beings probably want nothing to do with us um, based on our behavior, you know, based on mm-hmm. how we've really been ruining the um, ecosystem and mm-hmm. they really are much more intimately tied up with the processes of nature you know, and so, um, so I think they're rightly angry, you know, about that. Um, and some of them are quite antagonistic. You know, if you look at the folklore, we're talking ancient folklore of fairy encounters, the vast majority of the stories about them, and especially the magic around them, is really magic about how to protect yourself and your family from them. You know, they were, they were um, dangerous. Um, they would um, kidnap you, you know, they could kidnap or torture you or kill you. And so there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of um, strange, very dangerous, you know, ideas, you know, around, you know, the fairies. Now, if you also, I would say, look at some of the um, newer type of stories, instead of being classified as fairy stories, we hear things about um, alien abductions. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yeah. and how strange those are. They seem to be otherworldly. And it's my opinion that really we're probably talking about the same type of encounter. It's it's a interdimensional, perhaps, encounter. I always right. think, I always say that it's encountering, quote, the weird, you know. And so I think that a fairy abduction and an alien abduction are probably along the same lines. We just have a more modern um, language now. You know, mm-hmm. we think of mm-hmm. technological terms, and so we tend to, I think, project that, you know, onto on, onto the encounter. I am, of course, not saying that's exactly what's happening because I don't know. You know, it's there. It's the weird. It's mysterious. Um, but there's a lot of similarities, and so it really, at yes. the very least, um, warrants a second look. Well, it is because there are so many uh, beings in from other dimensions that are coming in and out of our reality, and certainly people have had. Experiences with you name it. I mean, whether it's Mothman or fairy right. or alien. I mean, there's so many different things, and we are very, very ignorant overall. I mean, not you because you've studied all this, you've had your own experiences, but as a culture, we tend to be ignorant to these things and then be shocked by a, an encounter that might happen. So it's it does seem to be happening uh, quite often. But in different ways, like you said, it's not all alien, it's not all fairies, there's many things going on out there. But you've been able to have a lot of encounters here, and we've certainly heard about fairy abductions. Um, it's, 
it's kind of scary. And we've heard about one, and I think it was in, where was it, PK? Was it in Iceland that I there was a, think it was. somebody, yeah, I think she went missing and she was gone for uh-huh. months and then they finally found her on oh. the rocks and she had escaped and she was out of her mind. I mean, she was like a blithering idiot and she was right. some type of an archaeologist. Mm-hmm. Remember that? <clears throat> I yeah. did so hear something about that. I forgot all about it. Yeah, it's. It's a very fascinating encounter, but there was not much follow-up. So uh, the poor woman, I'm sure, had to have a lot of treatment (laughs) to recover if she did. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, That I mean, just that sounds really scary. I mean, certainly I want to say I've never had any encounter like that. I've had some scary encounters. I've had uh, many more good encounters, you know, thankfully. Um, And I've had some very just weird but nothing on that level. I've never felt like I was literally abducted or, you know, brought to the edge of my sanity with it. I um, so going to count my blessings there, I suppose. Yes, I would say. So. <laughs> <clears throat> but I would say also just in terms of um, how I'm using the term, you know, fairy, and in, in my first book, Betwixt and Between, I I talk about how the term fairy. Um, really originally didn't mean a specific race of people or even a realm. It basically just meant all things of magic and enchantment. And so I do tend to use the word fairy more in that way. And so to me, whether it's an alien abduction or maybe we're even having a haunting with with a ghost, to me it's all fairy. It's all a fairy encounter because it's all the weird. We can't really explain it with our rational mind you know and so Mm -hmm. it becomes it's fairy and and another thing about the fairy is that it also has that eeriness to it there's a sense of just that it's weird you know your your mind can't wrap all the way around it because it's not rational it can't be contained in the rational and as human beings in our in our western society we're so um, accustomed to trying to explain everything through the language of the ego and it's just so woefully um, 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 not able, you know, to contain all of that because reality is so much bigger than just what rationality can encapsulate. It makes a big difference how we handle things. Absolutely, absolutely. And going forward, how often do you? When you're involved in looking for certain things, what do, you, what do you consider the most important oracle that you would use to communicate with the... Hey, I'm back. Sorry. <laughs> right. The most important oracle. Um, <clears throat> well, for many years, um, I, I, I've used tarot cards. That tends to be what I tend to go back to, you know, time and mm-hmm. again. Um, I started playing around with um, what's called Lenormand which is a French, um, I think, 19th century cardomancy system, and that's a lot of fun. Um, But, you know, pendulums, um, actually talking boards, you know, we usually think of them as Ouija boards, um, but that was actually one of the very first tools that I used um, as a kid, and it really taught me about my ability to go into altered states of awareness. And so I Mm -hmm. certainly have a, a, a soft spot in my heart, you know, for talking boards. Also, my husband... Um, makes talking boards as part of his art and part part of oh, you know, what we sell through our website and everything. But it, it is also kind of funny because so many people are scared of them. 
And it always makes me kind of chuckle a little bit because really no one was scared of them until 1973. And that's when the exorcist came out. And that's literally when people were like, Oh no, they opened doors to the demonic. And before that, it was mostly used by um, people like in the spiritualist church, you know, they would use it in the afternoon over tea to talk to aunt Sally who's passed over and she's still crocheting and you know, whatever. And it was all very nice and civilized or people would use it as a parlor game. I mean, they sold it at Toys R Us, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, but then 1973 and that movie happened and suddenly they were scary. So we have people coming into our store all the time and they're like, Oh, you sell Ouija boards. Oh, how dark and scary. We actually (laughs) have a picture um, going back to how I started this, going back to bewitched. We have a, a picture of um, from an episode of Bewitched with Elizabeth Montgomery, um, and she's using a Ouija board, and we, we have a little caption mm-hmm. that says Samantha wasn't scared of the Ouija, and, um, <laughs> and people people tend to get a kick out of that. But I absolutely love them, and I will say that the talking boards or spirit boards, um, it's really not unlike using a pendulum. You know, it's a, I would say it's still a type of dowsing. It's just a different type of tool. So hopefully oh. I can kind of strip away some of the fear today that, that some of the listeners might have about talking boards because it's actually a fabulous uh-huh. tool. Well, well it sounds hard. like, too, yeah, in the past, as you mentioned, in the 70s, this became evil. But there's been so many people that we've had on the show that have also con- continued that and said, oh, no, oh, yeah. we should use Ouija boards, you know. And it's like, well, it's, it seems to be uh, a kind of a communal thought but I'm glad to hear you say this because I was never afraid of them either I'm sure PK you weren't and so it's nice to hear that your husband is making such beautiful Ouija boards and can you buy them on your site oh yeah absolutely in fact he just <clears throat> excuse me he just started a new line we just got a like a, a laser in, um, etcher machine it's like the size of a small car and it's like <laughs> out in our garage <laughs> he's, he's oh out gosh. there he's out there etching oh. things um not right now because we're recording, so he had to turn that off. And, you know, but then oh, I'm sure as soon as we're done, he's gonna. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it was. He's out there lasering oh. things. Every lasers. Oh. Um, but I would oh, say great. for the people that are, I would say that for the people who are scared, you know, of using the Ouija board, there's no reason why you would need to start. If if you're afraid of it, if you have bad feelings about it, then just choose another tool. It's as simple as that. Use a use a pendulum or use something else. Um, but if you are open to it, if, you, if it doesn't scare you, then it's actually a really powerful tool to use. And, and what I noticed is at first, I would start knowing where the planchette was going to go. I'd start to think of the letters, you know, and I wasn't making it happen, or at least I didn't feel like I was making it happen, but I would know be, right before it would happen. And then at some point, I felt like I didn't even need the board anymore. I was just getting some messages coming directly through and that's really what it's about you know the tools to some degree are a crutch they're they're like training wheels right and then hopefully we can yeah. get to a point where we don't necessarily need them um although they're always still fun i still i still love my pendulum now and again you know <laughs> sure and i don't use the talking boards yeah. as often as i used to you know um so in answer to your question in this long roundabout way um what oracles do i use now Honestly, just whatever I feel inspired to in the moment. When I have a session with a client and they want to get some insight on something, I might have a few different things that I might just draw from at random. You know, I have, I have a, a bone and curio throwing set that I will use sometimes. And, um, 
like I mentioned, the tarot cards. And yeah, just, and then sometimes it's, I don't use any tool at all. I just try to tune in and talk to my guides and see what comes through. Well, interesting way of handling everything. Mm-hmm. That is. That well, is. it makes I it fun, and then I don't have to get locked in anything. That's right. You have a choice. I just wanted to, <laughs> to let you guys know what happened. I was. I have connected, I guess, through Skype and Mercury retrograde shadow period must have knocked me off. So, mm-hmm. anyway, I was going to say we, we started the, the whole thing. We we started the whole <laughs> thing talking about Mercury retrograde. I thought, here it comes. And here we are. Mercury will have his due. What did you say, Storm? Mercury will have his due. That's oh, right. definitely. That's right. Can't stop him. <laughs> and we get to pay the price. <laughs> That's right. We're all going to, as soon as this is done, we're all going to go and make our offerings. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to offer big. Yes, yes, yes. So um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, is the, the guided meditations that you go through in the book to allow people to connect up with the fairy realm. But again, you are cautioning people in the book. You're saying, hey, you you have to do this and know there's some responsibility here. You can't just do this as a lark. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, yeah, I think that um, like with anything that's real, you know, we have to have presence of mind. And if we're trying to establish a relationship, you know, this isn't just a hobby. You know, we're, we're trying to actually establish a working relationship with a different type of consciousness. And so my philosophy is that we would approach that as we would any other sentient being, you know? So if I'm striking up a friendship with another human, you know, I know that that's going to take some time and experience and I'm going to have to listen and I'm going to have to show up and I'm going to have to build on that relationship. And the same is true when we're working with any type of spirits and, you know, mm-hmm. fairy, deity, or spirits of the dead. You know, in fact, there's actually a lot of crossover. There's some blurring between all three of those. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just think it's important that people go into it with their eyes open. Um, because once we start that relationship, there usually is some expected um, reciprocity. You know, if I, I'm, I'm, I make offerings not because I'm asking for something in particular, but I'm making offerings because I want to um, deepen my um, conscious connection, you know, to them. And, um, but then I will often start getting messages that maybe they want a particular type of offering, right? And um, so I better listen to that. Or if I have a practice of making an offering, like on a certain time or, or whatnot, um, I don't want to miss out on that. I want to keep up my end of the bargain, you know, so to speak. Right. Um, now, so one, one of the, the things, things in that, our house. Yeah, what do you offer? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh. What do you so, offer? Um, one of the things that I offer often is whiskey because that's like a simple, traditional offering. Um, it's almost like to some degree can be considered a starter offering um, to the Fae. Another traditional starter offering would be milk and honey. And um, so often when people are talking about wanting to start a relationship with the Fae, I'll recommend, you know, starting, you know, making regular offerings of milk and honey. Um, And then usually you'll get an image of what else they want. Maybe they don't want milk and honey anymore. And like I said, mine usually like whiskey. And um, maybe that's also (laughs) because I'm mostly Irish, so it's probably in my blood. But I feel like they like whiskey. 
um, on nights that we're having vodka, I'll give them vodka, and I just have the sense that, like, they'll take the vodka, but they really like the whiskey better, you know, and <laughs> I'm equal opportunity. I'll drink whatever, you know, but so I'll give them a little bit of whatever we're having, and we have a little, there's an altar. It's not so little anymore. It keeps growing, but we have this altar in our home kind of pr- um, in a prominent place, and there's peacock feathers because that's something from our fairy tradition, and there's a lot of... um um, just bright colored things. And um, that's where we place our food offerings. And so this Halloween, which is um, often called Samhain, um, we placed an offering of um, whiskey, but also heavy cream because um, it just felt mm-hmm. like a special thing. And sometimes we'll, you know, if we're having like a special meal, we'll take part of the meal and, and offer them a little bit of that because it's about, I think more important than the physical offering itself. I think it's about the act of giving. You know, it's a type mm-hmm. of sacrifice. I'm I'm giving up something that could be mine. You know, mm-hmm. maybe in most cases, this valuable and expensive whiskey. You know, and I'm going to give them a shot of this whiskey. I could be drinking that myself. You know, but I'm giving uh-huh. it to them. And again, I'm not asking for anything specific when I'm doing that. I'm not asking for any favors. I'm simply doing it because that's how I hold up my end of the bargain of keeping the doorway of communication open between my realm of consciousness and what we call the fairy realm. And so um, if I was specifically though, with them, well, I might ask them for something, but, um, uh-huh. but for the, for as a general offering, I'm not going to be asking for anything. It's just, I'm just giving it to you out of the goodness of my heart. So when you give something like that, let, let's go back to the milk and honey, which sounds wonderful as a gift. Uh, um, how long do you leave it on the altar? Is that something you leave only for one day or one night? I mean, what's the time frame I, on this? Yeah, I generally only leave things um, for, unless it's whiskey. Like whiskey can stay there a little bit longer, but um, you have to be practical because I don't want to draw ants. You know? no, that doesn't good seem like that's a good, good that doesn't seem like that's a good yeah. offering anymore. You know? Now, if it's outside, <laughs> we also have a place outside that we'll make offerings. And um, mm-hmm. in that case, I feel like that's okay to leave it longer and then the the wildlife can come and take it. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. also nature claiming it. So if the ants come and get it outside, that's fine. If if the mice come by or the blue jays come by and they come and get it, that's fine. I kind of feel like that's just nature taking the offering because that's outside. That's how outside works. In my house, I yeah. don't want those things, you know, and so I'll, I'll, lit- I'll just leave it for 24 hours and then I'll dispose mm-hmm. of it. Now, one thing that we heard from R.J. Stewart when he was on the, the show is he said never to leave cut flowers, that they don't like that. They would like the whole plant maybe on the altar, but uh, cut flowers, no. Do you, are you also, do you also agree with that? I mean, is that something they don't like? Um, I haven't got that. Per- I can see where you'd come to that conclusion, and I'm probably going to say that that's probably the message that he got from the Fae that he's working with. So in that case, Uh it's absolutely true because he got that personal message. And I can see where you might not want that. You know, if, if let's say that the Fae that I'm working with are specifically nature spirits, they probably don't want the mutilated um, um, sex organs of the plant, you know, Mm -hmm. um, offered up, you know, to them. So I can see that. That has not been something that the spirits I've worked with have specified. And we, we mm-hmm. actually, outside of our fairy altar, we also have a, an altar to the goddess Fortuna. And this is, mm-hmm. you know, we put a lot of stuff there to, you know, 
hey, let's make sure that the the business does well today, and it's kind of spiritualizing our relationship to prosperity and, and money. And we actually do put cut flowers on that altar because Fortuna seemed like that's what she wanted. It started with what she wanted yellow flowers. We just got this sense that she wanted sunflowers, and we didn't oh. know why. And, and I couldn't possibly think that would be at all traditional, you know, but um, it just felt like she wanted sunflowers. And we noticed whenever we got her sunflowers, the store would do better. And so it was just a relationship wow. that now we've done it for years. And now she gets more, but there's always sunflowers in there. You know, there's always mm. some sunflowers in there somewhere. And then there's other things, too, because we wanted to give her some more color and, and all this stuff. But whenever we replace the flowers, it seems like we do. We get an influx of business. And so, um, so it's working for us, you know. But, right. um, but this is yes, where I think it becomes yes. very specific. You know, the spirits mm-hmm. are going to tell you what they want and what they don't want. And come to think of it, I, on my fairy altar, I've never gotten the experience where they've told me they wanted cut flowers. So, so mm-hmm. maybe RJ is right in that regard. I'm sure he's right. I mean, he's a brilliant man, and he knows what he's talking about. So, but, yeah, I just have not had that particular experience. But I also think well, that sometimes and- spirits will tell us different things because they want to make sure that we're actually listening to them. And we're not just, you know, assuming that we know or we're going to listen to our friend instead. You know, they're going to say, no, 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 I want you to do this. And that's how we make a personal relationship with those spirits is just being open to that personal communication. Well, that makes sense. And as you said, the fairies are different. They're not all the same. They're not Tinkerbells. They're not this way or that way. They're like us in some ways in that they are different. And so we have to respect that and ask what they want. And it makes perfect sense what you're saying yes yeah they're just as diverse as we are you know actually Mm -hmm. probably i'd say more so you know it's funny because so many people think of them as the little people right and we think Mm -hmm. of them as in these diminutive forms these little tinkerbell pixie-esque you know creatures and um in folklore they were often just human-sized um sometimes they were even bigger you know Um, sometimes they were smaller you know they were kind of all over the map but most often they were they were human size. In fact, some of the um, fairy encounters that are recorded in folklore, you'll you'll see a common theme where the person who's recounting the tale will recognize that the fairy being that they have had this encounter with, they later realize, oh, that was actually so and so from the next parish over who died two months ago. You know, and so oh. there's there's this big relationship with the fairy and the dead. And that's another mm-hmm. thing that doesn't really get talked about so much in, like, the surface conversations about fairy. You know, everybody seems to be much more interested in the diminutive nature spirits, you know, little flower divas and things. And that's certainly a, a classification of fairy beings, but it's such a small one, and it certainly doesn't encapsulate the entirety of fairy, you know. So, no, there's so, so many. So this I mean, book in particular... You talk oh, on, about sorry. in your book too. That's okay. I just wanted to mention the, the what is it? Will of the Wisp. You talk about that in your book, and you know there's there's what was it? The Keltons? Is that another one that people wanted protection from? What are they? The Will of the Wisp. And the, and the red caps. Oh, and, and and the red caps are probably the worst. Um, having the the some of the folklore says that the the color of their cap is actually dyed from human blood you know because they were so oh. terrifying they would you know eat you you know um but 
um, some encounters with the will of the wisps, they would, you know, some people said, oh, well, it's swamp gas. You know, it's like, it's like the lights that would show up, you know, like in, in kind of the swampy areas, the marshy areas. Um, but they, these fairy lights would like draw you away, you know, from civilization and draw you to your doom, you know? Mm. So a lot of the stories yeah. are kind of the cautionary tales that were really talking about um, a time in which we felt more, um, I don't know, oppressed, I suppose, by nature. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Well, we're going to get back and talk more about all of these exciting things and some of your personal experiences also, Storm. We want to hear about all of that. We're going to take a very short commercial break. And we will be right back. You're listening to Supernatural Girls Radio. We'll be back. Are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with cosmic fusion and quantum vortex energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the source. With cosmic fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our cosmic fusion website, the Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit cosmicfusion.com today. Cosmicfusion.com. Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get Attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records, only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Astridian is a family of cosmetic products with 98% pure ionized minerals. We combine our science with a blend of essential oils to nourish and take care of your skin's health. How does it work? All Astridian products contain the proprietary redox technology, having the capability of simulating an ionic zinc-copper superoxide dismutase effect. This free radical scavenger currently in your body has been diminished by toxins and the daily stresses of life. It is a perfectly balanced mineral complex that all $200 an hour dermatologists, their professors, and ancient history have proven. Redox technology is a process of reducing the skin's oxidation by transferring electrons from a radical state to a stress-free normal condition. 
Oxidative stress is a form of cellular aging, and as science has proven, a precursor to disease. The free radical theory of aging states that organisms age because cells accumulate free radical damage over time. Damaged cells are not beautiful, but healthy cells are. The Astridium family is presented in four different uses that cover unique benefits to your body. They are the Essential Anti-Aging Series, the Multivitamin Series, Sports Series, and Professional Series. Regain your youth with the power of Astridian. Visit www.astridian.com and inquire. Use the code SUPERNATURAL and receive a 10% discount on your first purchase. Astridian, the beauty of being healthy. Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, here with a great guest tonight, Storm Fairy Wolf. He is the author of a new book, The Forbidden Mysteries of Fairy Witchcraft. And Storm, I think we lost PK. This board is so unstable tonight. I see she's dropped out. I hope she'll join us again. Call back in. But, um, anyways, if that happens to you, just uh, call back into the board. Um, and it looks like he has also been kicked off the board. This is just getting crazy. So, anyways, I can't believe it. Mercury retrograde is just—it's kicking us, and it hasn't even started yet. This is, as PK has described, this is the shadow period. So, uh, it's definitely affecting us. We're gonna just uh, hang out here until Storm can get back on the board. But it's for some reason it's, it's terribly unstable tonight, and storms in California where they're having all of those horrible fires. So he was saying before we got live on the air here that the fires are thankfully not affecting his area where he is. However, the smoke is. He said it's terrible. They had to go out and buy masks today, and that they were told that the air quality is worse than it is in Beijing. So that's that's pretty bad. So luckily the fire is not threatening a store, their home, but the smoke is something that they're dealing with. So um, anyways, his, his book is excellent. Again, it's The Forbidden Mysteries of Fairy Witchcraft with, with um, all kinds of guided meditations and information about witchcraft and how that combines itself with the fairy so i'm going to try to get him back on the air everybody so just hang tight and i'll be right back oh well i'm trying to get him back So let's see if I can get him in a different way. Okay, everybody, I am reconnected to the show, and it looks like, let's see. Okay, Hello. this is getting more and more weird. Is, are we in the land of the weird together or what? We should have known when my picture showed up as a negative that everything was going to be strange. <laughs> Everything is the world of the weird, I guess. I know. And PK, I don't know. She must have gone off of the fairies because I can't seem to get her back on either. So maybe she's having fun with Tinkerbell. I don't know. But anyway, so go. thank goodness. Hopefully she, it's not a red cap. Here we are We're again. Be able to pray. Oh, 
please say a prayer. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. you yeah, know, that, was, funny, that was because bizarre. Very bizarre. This never happened to us before. When I came into the room tonight, I, I broadcast from the theater room here, and it just felt full, full of mm. spirit energy, fairy energy. And, of course, it started with your strange photo. So I'm sure that there's a lot of activity here for some reason. You know, there's there's a lot, I guess, that needs to be communicated. And so, anyways, I want to hear more from you about your own personal experiences with the, the fae and the fairy. And what has happened for you? Can you share some of that? Is that okay to talk about your own experiences? Oh, yeah. Sure, yeah. I mean, it, it um, started for me... As a child, um, I was um, raised on stories of the little people. You know, my mother was very proud of our Irish heritage. And so um, um, I was always getting stories like that. When the wind would howl, she would shiver and talk about um, the wailing of the banshee. And so oh, that, was just, okay. that was just how I was raised. And, um, you know, I would have a lot of um, dream experiences with um, strange beings and um as I'm sure all kids do, you know, to, to some degree, I didn't necessarily think of them as fairy beings at the time, but now as an adult and I'm doing this work, I can look back and realize, oh, I've always had these things around me. And for a lot of it, I just took it for granted because that was just my life. It didn't seem like it was weird or any different than anybody else would be experiencing. You know, it wasn't until I was probably a teenager that I realized, oh, you know, this is not normal, you know, in the sense other people aren't really experiencing <laughs> this as a general rule, you know. Um, right. And, but here's, you. But, you know, one of the experiences that will happen to me, and I've heard this from a lot of different people, um, is when something goes missing. And um, one okay. example that I think is the best, and everybody seems to have a similar experience to this, so um, you can tell me if, if you've had this as well. But um, the the thing is, is I would be looking for something. Let's say I was looking for my car keys and I would look all over. Right. And I can't find them. And, you know, I've looked everywhere and I finally give up after looking all day and I would turn and there it is like in the middle of the coffee table, there's nothing else on the coffee table. There's no way I missed that, you know, but it, it's almost like, Oh, it just materialized like right there waiting for me. And I've had that experience more than once where it's obvious that, no, I could not have missed that. You know, they're messing with me. And that's usually my indicator, like, oh, yeah, maybe I've forgotten to make my offerings lately. Or they're trying to get oh. my attention, you know. And I've actually heard this from a lot of different people, that, that that's how the fairies will get their attention. They'll steal something that they need, not in a malicious way. You know, it's not like they're stealing grandma's oxygen tank or something, you know. But it's like yeah. something small, <laughs> something that, you know, it's just kind of messing up your day. Um, who knows, like maybe even today we're having all these technical issues. You know, it can't all be yeah. mercury, you know, maybe the Fae are trying to get our attention saying, Hey, we I still have you know, all this power. So, or it could just uh, yeah. be a technical glitch. You know? <laughs> I, I don't think it's a tech, just a technical glitch. Like I said, this hasn't happened before. <laughs> so I think I'm going to, I'm going to put it at your feet, Storm. <laughs> <laughs> well, fine. I'll take it. it. I mean, it's okay. On my end, on my end, it was weird. Like everything just cleared out on my computer, and I was like, "What? That's never happened before. Just everything is gone." Yeah. You know. That's so, right. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm calling in. 
I had I got kicked off on Skype. I'm calling in on a cell phone, and I got kicked off there. And PK was calling <laughs> in on a landline, and she got kicked off. So there is oh, something wow. very. It's an, okay. There's something that's making the this energy very unstable tonight. But that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. we're we're rolling with it here. It's all right. Well, and, and that, we, able to, that makes us pay attention. Because mm, okay. my first thought is, okay, well, then what are we talking about? Because there is also the issue of um, secrecy and the fairy realm. And so so one of the things that kind of I get hit with, you know, like this happens is, okay, we, you know, we need to address the issue of secrecy and privacy. And um, this is something that I've had to really kind of like walk a line with because part of my – um, drive you know, in the world is openness and transparency and sharing mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. visibility. You know, I, I've always worked to be um, a visible warlock, you know, practitioner of the craft in public eye, because to me yes. that's a very specific political stance. When more people are visible living their lives, then it makes it that much easier for somebody else to be open, you know, about who they are. But we do need to talk about secrecy and privacy because sometimes we do get um, information, you know, from the Fae, from the spirits, and that's not necessarily for public consumption. You know, there's some things just for you, you know. And so I kind of feel like with all this going on, the Fae are saying, hey, remember to talk about this because um, being private is just as important as being open. And so we don't have like just a blanket rule that we can apply to everything. You know, we have to just be in the present moment. I mean, really all the spiritual systems that I've ever been aligned with, it seems to come back to that thing, you know, be in the moment, you know, be here now, make our own decisions based on all of the information. We're not just going to have a rule that decides for us, you know, what, how we're going to respond. We have to mindfully respond, you know? So some things when we're working with the Fae, they're going to want us to keep those things private. Not all of it though. You know, certainly not all of it. Well, you know, I, I really had to struggle. With, you know, what can I share? Yeah, that, that's excellent advice. And, and then the other sense that I get is with all of what has gone on with uh, stabilizing the board tonight, which is still unstable. Um, <laughs> the feeling I get is that they're also saying, hey, guess what? We are a force to be reckoned with. And, yes. again, it goes back to your book. These these are powerful beings, and I think we have miniaturized them in our own minds. But yeah. as you mentioned, they used to be human-sized or larger. And it's like we just – I think we, we try to create them in an image we're comfortable with, and that's not the way to do it. That's not the way to communicate with them. It's not something we need to impose on them. We need to be open to who they really are. And the power that they carry is is incredible. I mean, they just showed us. I think I you think. really hit, I think you really hit the carry. nail on the head. I, I think you hit the nail on the head there with, you know, that really I think that when we try to impose a smallness on them, that's almost, I would say, us acting from a place of fear because we want to reassure ourselves that, oh, they're just small, oh, they're just flights of fancy, oh, they're insignificant, oh, they're diminutive. And I think that there's still something that speaks to our primal soul. I think we know on a deep level, you know, that that's not really true, 
but it's kind of like, you know, what is it? Whistling past the graveyard. You know, we give ourselves a little something to do that comforts us, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, sure. If that comforts you, then that's great. But then maybe you're not really aligned to work with them. You know, if, if, if you're coming from a space of fear, then that's, that's absolutely not what you're going to want to do. So, so if you are coming from a space of fear with the Fae, I'd say you're probably better leaving them alone. Um, Because if we, if we go into anything really with a big sense of fear, especially in the magical and the spiritual realm, um, you know, there are things that will hurt you, you know, if you're not prepared to, to really look at yourself, you know, and, and that's a big part of what this book in particular is about is being able to use magical techniques so we can look more closely at our inner landscape and see what little, you know, monsters might be dwelling there because we all have our own, um, what I call little D demons, you know, kind of lurking inside, I mean, little Absolutely, complexes. We, do. So we, we have to address those things first because what you don't know can hurt you. You know, what's lurking oh, in your shadow yes. is the oh, first thing yeah. that's going to rear up and bite your head off. You know, so we have to know what's there. We have to reclaim our power back from our fear. And again, not to demonize fear. We, we don't want to give fear more power. And that We want to do the opposite. We want to transform those fears, confront them, and then take that power back, back from it. In witchcraft, there's a saying. I think it goes back to, what's, um, to the reclaiming tradition. And, and I love this. Where there's fear, there's power. And so oh, whenever I hear, whenever I, whenever I think of fear, um, I think of there's a little man and he's waving a red flag and the red flag just mm-hmm. says, pay attention. It's not saying right. don't do it. It's not saying do it. It's saying just pay attention. Why are you having this fear? You know, where is yeah. your resistance? Does it have a, right. And what's the source of it? I think all of that makes a lot of sense. And the path that you're on is one of, complete self-responsibility and self-exploration and it takes a lot of courage to do that but I think tonight we got a big lesson about you know everybody who thinks we have dominion over this world <laughs> right guess what oh my goodness and that's the biggest that's lie the, yeah that's the biggest, the biggest lie, lie we told ourselves you know we were right. talking and a little I bit think- earlier about I live I live in California and so right now we're dealing with a lot of fires you know, okay. and, um, you know, it's this a fire is a huge force of nature, you know, mm-hmm. and it's so big. You know, we think, oh, we've, we've, we have it down. You know, we have our reality, whatever. I, it's, it's amazing how powerless we are, really. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a negative a sense. Point. We have to let that go. You know, we have to let it go mm-hmm. that we have power over really anything in our lives. We don't have control. You know, we need no, to let that don't. go. That's an ego. That's yes. an ego thing. We need to let that go. Mm-hmm. And I think the fairies tonight uh, did show themselves, and they gave us <clears throat> a nice lesson <laughs> in yes. the power of who they are. <laughs> so we now know we respect you. Believe me, we do. So it's, it's an important lesson. I'm giving them whiskey when I'm in here. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go get a bottle of whiskey from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I am putting it in, in on my altar tonight for them. Yes, they they deserve to be recognized for how powerful they are and what they know and how they move through the different dimensions, which we are just not even in infancy about yet. I mean, we just right. <clears throat> we have a lot to learn about that. But they have have mastered many many things that are far beyond our consciousness. So they deserve our our utmost respect. 
Now, have you ever encountered anything in the fae world or a fairy that was so imposing or so scary to you that you had to back up a little bit? I Yeah. When I was going through my fairy witchcraft training, um, and there mm-hmm. was a good chunk of that training that was specifically about confronting fears and, and your inner demons and such. But I actually did have... Um, it was a very shocking visual experience where I actually I had walked into my bedroom at the time and the lights were off and I was totally sober, totally awake. I wasn't dreaming. <laughs> you know, but I walked into the room and saw just for an instant, there was like what I what I perceived to be a demonic face um, just in the air right in front of me. And it said something to me that was kind of personal and went away and I was very shocked and I was just immediately filled with a sense of um, almost terror, you know, like my body was starting to shake and it was just very visceral. And, um, and, and, you know, it said something kind of specific to me that was personal. And so, you know, I, I used that as a point of, of meditation. Okay. Well, obviously I have all this fear. So it started this process for me personally to kind of trace that back, you know, well, where is this coming from? You know, what, you know, what, it, what was this, what did this actually mean? And um, mm-hmm. it actually ended up being a positive experience for me because it kind of led me down the road of being able to examine some of these fears that I didn't even know that I had, you know, until they manifested as this very weird, you know, um, frightening experience. Obnoxious you know? demon. Yeah, right. You know, and, and I've had a few things like that where I've met like a spirit where it actually scared me in the moment but then mm-hmm. in hindsight i felt like it was actually one of the most powerful and and positive um spiritual experiences that i could have had because it did help me on in, on my path of the path of my own growth and really that's all you, we can really hope yeah and what you just shared with our audience and, and me tonight is so helpful because what you're saying is you have the experience you feel the fear start shaking in your own body and yet you took it to the next level of going, okay, where did this come from? That's a perfect way, in my opinion, to handle fear. You, you learn so much from it that way and it does empower you. And the yes. things that you've written in the book are, are all to help people with that. And you know, one thing I wanted to suggest to you too, because as I was reading through some of the guided meditations and, and things that, uh, you had thinking it would be so nice to hear your voice and just mm-hmm. talking people through that. I would love that. I hope you'll do that sometime. Uh, whether you do, I, do I'm a actually book on in tape the process, or just do that. Yeah, I'm actually in the mm-hmm. process of, of doing just that. Um, I do. I did record a bunch of um, meditations for our um, Black Rose Witchcraft online school. And so, mm-hmm. um, and if people are interested in that, they can just go to blackrosewitchcraft.com. And um, it's, it's a, a quote-unquote 13-month um, online course, and um, um, it's $25 a month. And, um, but the lessons are given as um, written material, you know, PDF, there's some art, um, and also MP3s. You know, some of it is kind of podcast discussion stuff, kind of like what we're doing now. Um, and then mm-hmm. other things are actual guided rituals and guided meditations that I've recorded. Um, and so, and that's kind of inspired me to kind of go beyond um, the Black Rose class with that. So I'm actually in the process of, of 
um, recording some other meditations and some standalone classes because people keep asking me for exactly what you're asking me for. So yeah, time for me to do it. Oh, good for you. Well, I'll look forward (laughs) to this. So please let us know. I'll let the audience know when these are available from your book. Thank you. I think it's thank you. Just go hand, you know, going in hand in hand with this. It's nice to read it, but when it's an actual guided meditation, it's so nice to hear it. So, so that that'll be great. So definitely let us know. And you know, thank you. Um, is there anything else also um, cautionary that you want to tell people about this? Because again, we just experienced the power of the fairy tonight. They were able to control <laughs> our radio board. They were able to kick us off, bring us on, and we had really very little control here. It it right. was very really humbling. up to them. Yes, it yeah. was very humbling for me. <laughs> <laughs> for me as well. Yes. Um, I, I think that one of the things that I want to say about that is that, um, yes, I think having caution, you know, is is paramount. Um, but we mm-hmm. again don't want to approach it from a space of fear. Um, mm-hmm. We want to approach it, I would say, from a space of open curiosity, and and also okay. respect. You know, we want to mm-hmm. respect the powers, um, but we also want to be curious. I think that one of the things that I really personally associate with the fairy realm um, is that childlike sense of wonder. And I don't mean childishness. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, like childishness, like in the sense of like, you know, anything that's ego-based. I'm talking about that sense of starry-eyed wonder that often children have and other free spirits, Mm -hmm. you know, have. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's an important kind of place to come from when we're doing this work, we should be open and we should be open hearted. I do think mm-hmm. that compassion is probably the number one space. You know, we really need to cultivate a sense of compassion within ourselves and a sense of compassion first for ourselves. Because mm-hmm. if we don't have compassion for ourselves, then we're not capable of, of giving true compassion to any other being. Um, That's true. You know, so I, I think that that's kind of number one. Um, but another thing is that I think that if people are interested in um, working with the fairy realm, um, I would highly recommend um, looking at folklore first and fo- foremost, because there's all these wonderful stories, and they're not just stories. You know, they give us kind of an initiatic pattern. In fact, I, I chose a couple um, really famous uh, fairy stories um, for my book, Um Two of the Scottish ballads, you know, um, the Ballad of Thomas the Rhymer and mm-hmm. um, the Ballad of Tam Lin. And both of those are very famous because they give a very detailed account of interacting with the fairy realm and specifically a being that's often referred to as the Queen of Fairy. And, um, and, it, and I chose these two encounters for my book because they both give a very different view of the fairy queen, you know, in... Thomas the Rhymer, the fairy queen, um, is a mostly benevolent um, figure, while in Tam Lin, um, she's kind of anything but. And so it really kind of shows us that we're probably talking about the same fairy queen. I mean, we could argue that there's a lot of different fairy queens, but on some level, I think they all kind of blend together to some degree. And there's like the uber queen, but that's a whole other discussion Uh probably. Um, But they give us kind of these different temperaments, but the stories themselves really talk about what we might do as human practitioners 
to align our consciousness in such a way to where we become attuned to their energy. And once we are attuned to their energy, then we can more safely work with them. So specifically, I would say with the ballad of Thomas the Rhymer, there's the um, very specific kind of set of symbolic keys in which, you know, there's the tree under which Thomas, you know, falls asleep and then he encounters the fairy queen and then they go off on this very specific journey and they, they um, travel beyond the rivers of blood and the river of tears and, and some other very specific things where she takes Thomas to um, the crossroads and he sees three roads ahead of him. And one is this beautiful road that's filled with flowers and fruits and that's revealed to be um, the road to hell. And then there's this oh. other road that looks like a very difficult road. It's, it's narrow and it's full of rocks and crags and it's kind of awful. And that's the road to heaven, the road to righteousness, though many don't take that road, she says. And then right in the mm. middle of them both, there's this fine, bonny road, and that's the road to fairy. And so it's kind of shown oh. that it's, it's a place that's in between and that's a theme mm-hmm. that comes up when we're looking at the fairy stuff. And that's why I titled my first book on the subject, Betwixt and Between. It's all about that yeah, liminality. Mm-hmm. Neither, thank you. It's neither here nor there. It's, it's in between. It's never quite gone, and yet it's never quite here either. It's that foggy kind of mystery because our rational mind can only take us so far. And so once that's we get true. to the end of rationality – then we need things like artists and poets in order to kind of take us the rest of the way, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. And I love the way you share that story with all of us tonight. It's, you know, one thing with, this, with connecting with fairies, it seems to me, and please correct me if this is wrong assumption, assumption, but it does seem that it's a solitary work, that when you go to make these connections, it's something you do by yourself. This is not coven work per se, or is it? Well, I do think it's both. I think that um, a good witch, even if you're in a coven, then you go home and then you're a solitary witch, right? So I, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of the work that we do, and I'm in a few covens, you know, um, and I will work in, in, in different capacities, but then I go home and ultimately my work becomes solitary because I have to maintain my own connections. You know, I ha- I, mm-hmm. somebody else can't do the work for me, you know. Now, in a coven, everybody might then have different skills, and so that makes it easier because then you don't have to master everything, you know. Um, right. You know, I don't have to be an excellent astral projector. You know, maybe somebody else in the coven, you know, has that particular skill. And so that's, your, that's what makes covens really useful. But on a base level, we all have to kind of get our our foundational work in there on our own. And the way that I was originally taught fairy witchcraft tradition was that first and foremost, it was a solitary path. And, and then once we kind of got strong in ourselves, then through that strength, we could then reach out in a clean way to others and then form communities. And in the fairy witchcraft tradition, we've got a, a couple tools that I think speak directly to that. One is called the Iron Pentacle, and um, that's really a meditative device that helps us to kind of work out complexes within ourselves. And then once we've worked with that for a while, then usually we get introduced to the next tool, which is called the Pearl Pentacle. And this is really a meditative device on community. 
So one is personal while the other is transpersonal. And so we would work mm-hmm. with the Iron Pentacle first because it's almost like we want to work out those kinks you know, of our own complexes and get to a space where, okay, now I'm stronger within myself and now I can actually reach out in an open and clean way and hopefully build strong and healthy community because now I'm strong and healthy within myself. So I think this is kind of a good yes, metaphor yes. for all of this mm-hmm. work. You know, we have to do our own personal healing, our own personal, personal development, um, and then we can reach out and start to work on um, healing community, you know, and developing those transpersonal yeah, I connections. Think people so we often have to do our personal miss that step. You know, they, they just want to throw themselves into changing the world. It's like, look, start with you. And it's a simple oh, thought. Yeah. It's a simple concept. But I have seen many people run from themselves and then try to make a difference in the world. And it just doesn't work like that. It really doesn't. I mean, the best so advice, I think, I think, is every time you're on an airplane and the flight attendant says, if the masks fall down, you know, you need to secure your own mask first and then yes. your children, you know, mm-hmm. and that's true. You have to, you know, work on yourself first. That doesn't mean that we're being miserly, you know, because when I work to elevate my spirit, that is helping the world to elevate. But then also when I get to a certain yes. point, you know, I am going to then reach out and do, you know, right action in the world. But I can't do effective right action if I'm still, like, doing my base healing. You know, if I still have yes. a bunch of complexes, that I'm not going to be able to be helpful, you know, to people. And so I, I need it's to do so that true. work on my own. And sometimes it's about yeah. going back and forth. You know, I have a lot of friends who are activists, and one of the things they often talk about is the tendency to burn out because they're doing so mm-hmm. much, you know, and then they just get burned out. They get depressed. You know, they watch the news, you know, whatever, and all, all, everything's crazy. And so yeah. one of the things that we keep coming back to is the necessity of self-care. And mm-hmm. I've actually heard some people try to, like, almost demonize self-care as if it's not important, you know. And, yeah, that's so you know, stupid. <laughs> it's ridiculous because, you know, if if you're just a ball of complexes, you're just making everything worse, you know. So we have to do our personal healing. We have to take personal responsibility for our own healing, you know. And yeah, I don't because, say this in an ableist way. You know, obviously everybody's got things they have to work on, and I know I'm not trying to demonize anybody for having issues or problems. But if we're all adults, you know, we do need to take responsibility and, and explanation is not the same as an excuse. You know, there are no excuses, Mm -hmm. you know, really for bad behavior. Um, But, you know, we've all got our own stuff to work on. So we need to be able to use our spirituality and our magic to help us do our own healing and to help us elevate. But then, but then again, we don't want to be miserly with it. You know, we get to a certain point and then we do have to do something to give back. It's, I think it's very important you know, to give yes. back, you know, to the world. And that's something, too, that the folklore of fairy often talks about. You know, sometimes a fairy being would appear to somebody in the guise of an old beggar woman or an old beggar man, and it was really kind of a test to see, are you going to be compassionate? Are you going to give this Ooh. person your bread? Are you going mm-hmm. to, you know, help this person, you know, get to the next village or whatever, you know, is the quest in a particular story? And, um, and the, the Fae seem to be very concerned with that. Yes, they have a different morality than we do, um, but at the same time, they seem perfectly poised to be able to test us in our own morality. And if it's shown 
that we just, if we're too selfish, you know, we don't have a good morality, you know, then that's when we're at real risk of being, you know, mm-hmm. smited, you know, smited, <laughs> smoten, um, you know, by the yeah. bay, you know. So uh-huh. I often think of that too when I'm out in the world and I might see a homeless person, you know, and mm-hmm. it reminds me that, hey, this Ooh. could be a fairy being, this could be, you know, a spirit. But at the same time, it do, that doesn't matter. It's just reminding me that, hey, at the basis of all of this is compassion and the realization that we are all connected. In fact, beyond being all connected, we're all one. You know, Victor Anderson, the late founder of the fairy witchcraft tradition, would often say, we are cells in the body of the goddess. And so, and I think Ooh, when we think about it in like those that. terms, we recognize yeah, I could be my own individual cell, you know, and I've got my own life process, but we're all in this together. We're all part of a larger organism. And on one level, that larger organism is the planet. You know, we are a part of the planet, um, just the same as the oceans are, just the same as the trees are, you know, that the other non-human inhabitants are. We're all in this together. We're, the ecosystem itself is an organism. And we could even take that further. You know, the galaxy is a type of organism. You know, the, the known universe, you know, this, is, this yes. really is the body of what we call the star goddess. So just by putting it in those poetic terms, we start to recognize not only the connection, but I think that through the realization of that connection, we recognize the inherent responsibility that comes along with that. Yes, there's definitely that. No question. And I have a question that somebody actually texted me. I'm going to go back to people that have been taken by fairy. And why? the question is, why? Why would fairy want to take a human? You know? Well, I don't know. You know, why would, why would any human want to take a human? You know, they're, they're not all nice. <laughs> yeah, they're not all sane. <laughs> they're not all sane by our standards. You know, um, uh-huh. maybe the person got close to something. Um, maybe the person did offend them in some way. Like they could be right, you know, wrong place at the wrong time, you know, so to speak, or right place, right time, depending on how the encounter goes, I suppose. Um, I think there's a lot of different reasons, you know, for that, probably just as many as regular abductions, you know, in, in the world. Um, so I yeah, obviously was- I couldn't really answer that specificity. Yeah, it's, it's just a, an interesting question that they texted me, but I know that there was an old story about a man who did have contact with the fairy and he would go and he knew where they lived. He would go, I guess, down into some cave system and then he didn't come back. And I guess people had seen him standing outside this this entrance to this cave system from, I don't know, and he should have been long dead, but he was still, they saw him. And there was something about him wanting somebody else to take his place so he could leave the fairy world and be and come back up here. So there's an interesting story around that, and I can't remember all the details, but it, it was a fascinating story of you can't leave the fairy world unless somebody else takes your place. So yeah, and I've I've heard stuff like that before too, and obviously there's have. different okay. depending on the yeah d- there's different. Um, um, details to d- d- the different stories, but I have heard that as well. And and, and even in um, the ballad of Tam Lin, it wasn't so much that you know they had to replace the person, but there was a very specific way of getting this person out of the fairy realm. Um, another story, the uh, uh, 
involving the Reverend Robert Kirk. It's another very fa- famous fairy story, fairy encounter. Um, same type of thing where there was a very involved um, kind of ritual that people needed to perform in order to save him you know, from the fairy realm. And supposedly he did show up when he said it was going to happen and the people had to do this very specific thing. And But everyone was shocked, and so they didn't do it. And then he disappeared, and he's supposed to still oh. be in the realm today. Wow, such a fascinating story. Oh, my goodness. Now, Storm, how can people get a hold of you? What's the best way for people to reach out to you? Probably the best way is um, just on the web. You can um, check out my website at fairywolf.com. That's F-A-E-R-Y-W-O-L-F.com. I'm easy to find on Facebook. Um, uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I do all the things. Um, So pretty much if you... (laughs) Google Storm Fairy Wolf, you're going to find me. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing from people and, and um, I'm seeing what people have to say. That's great. And I know you're in the Bay Area on the West Coast, but do you do classes via Skype or can people connect with you that way also? Absolutely. I do a lot of classes over Skype. I, I do um, training in um, Blue Rose Ferry, and I mostly do that over Skype. I also do um, travel. Um, and of course, our Black Rose Witchcraft School is all done online. Um, so you can just actually, if you wanted to check that out, just go to blackrosewitchcraft.com and you could um, sign up there. Our um, online school is the Mystic Dream Academy. And then we also have a brick and mortar store in Walnut Creek, California called The Mystic Dream. And I also teach in-person classes out of there. I also offer um, Reiki sessions, Reiki attunements, um, private consultations. I also do um, um, magical candle work for people. I do custom sigils for people. So you can check all of that out either on themysticdream.com or at fairywolf.com. Oh, that's great. And, of course, we don't want to forget your new book, which is super, The Forbidden Mysteries of Fairy Witchcraft. It's just, it's a wonderful book, and there's just so much knowledge in there and so much to practice. So it's terrific. And, Storm, I can't thank you enough for being on the show tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure, despite all the challenges we had. It kind of made it even more fun, just (laughs) getting you back on the air and just trying to say, something to the fairy out of respect for them and the incredible power that they carry. They, they do put up with us. Let's face it. We're not the best, but we do try hard. Yes. Right. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Yeah. But anyways, thanks again. This has been terrific. Everybody next week, we're going to have another terrific show. We're going to be talking to the author of soul dog. What happens when your dog or cat passes? We've got somebody that's going to come and tell us all about it. Don't miss it. And until then, everybody, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night. Good night. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural.